God, God bless you, dear people. Uh, that last song, John, you did, that's worth the drive, okay? <laughs> Wasn't that something? Never heard that. We're, when we used to, now I'm retired from itinerant preaching, traveling and preaching. We did two churches this year. This is one of them. And uh, not retired from preaching, still preaching. Uh, we're, we're actually part of a church. <laughs> Do you know that? We are actually a part of a church. You people don't know how good you got it. Amen. They have a place to come week after week. We've been doing that now. And we've got involved in a local church. When we were itinerant ministry, every week we're in a different place. How do you know you do have to show up occasionally to be a part of a church, okay? And we just didn't have that blessing. We realize that now what a blessing is to have a... Uh, we had a home church, but we only went three, four times a year. And they gave us a visitor's card sometimes. They didn't know who we were. I mean, it's horrible. <laughs> but it's just a blessing to be with you. And that song, well, in traveling, we heard a lot of music and uh, different kinds of music. And we learned to appreciate a lot of different kinds of music. And I remember the music here has always been really God-honoring and uplifting. But that song was a new one about the lamb and the worthiness of it. We could stand for the closing prayer. I think I know it. We're not going to. Don't get your hopes up. We're not going to do that. But I, how do you know we've already been ministered to if I don't preach a word? It's just, it's just a real blessing. I thank God for that. Well, let me introduce my wife. Uh, you know her, but Joyce, would you stand up? I know you hate to do that, but I, that's my sweet little wife of 51 years plus. And we've fallen in love all over again, haven't we? We've retired and from traveling, and we're together more, and uh, what a blessing. She's always been with me, a faithful wife. She always lays out my clothes, and I never, I just put them on. Just that's a wonderful thing, and uh, feeds me, obviously, so I mean, <laughs> What a blessing. We also have our son, uh, Ben, and his wife, Carmen. Ben, would you stand up? And Carmen, would you? And uh, he's our oldest son. He is a pastor. And he is uh, looking forward to just... They shared some of the workload they have in ministry. Pray for your pastors. I don't know how to say it any other way than that. Just pray for your pastors. And uh, so it's good to be with him. We will see him more in the next... This two weeks and we'll see you in the rest of the year. Everybody's life is so busy. When you see each other, it's not like this. We've had concentrated time in the car and talk and pray and just what a blessing. Our uh, other children, we have two daughters and two sons. Our other son is an evangelist and our other two daughters are involved in the church that we're going to. We didn't even have to hunt for a church. <laughs> we just went to the one they were going to because uh, Ellen's on staff at one and uh, she's oversees the children's ministry she writes the curriculum for them the curriculum that particular church had was more man honoring it seemed to her and not jesus honoring so she rewrote it and they said we'll take it <laughs> we love it and uh, she is uh, quite an evangelist herself and uh, what a blessing <clears throat> what she say they had over a hundred from kindergarten to first grade what, I don't remember what it is. Whatever it is, there's a lot of children at this church, and that's a good thing. <clears throat> okay. Well, I better look. Good morning. It is good to be with you. Okay. <laughs> I said that. I was write that down in case I get up and don't know what to say. Okay. <clears throat> it's 
So as of November of 2019, we retired. That was our last itinerant preaching ministry. We had a few to do that we were going to do the next year, and COVID came. We did one in North Carolina, we had one in West Virginia, but that canceled. But we did the one in North Carolina and got home, and you know what happened in February, the end of February, beginning of March, and life changed, okay? And so we accepted that from the Lord and said, no, we're done. But because I canceled here one time, because my blood pressure was so high, I took all the medication that they said I could take and it wouldn't go down, and Oh, I didn't want to have a blowout, okay? It ain't a bad way to go straight to heaven while you're preaching. Boy, what a climax to a sermon, right? Never mind. There he goes. Scratch that. Okay, back to... Now I'm on no medication and my blood pressure is fine. So there is stress to ministry, and I'm thankful for that. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Well, let me see. We're in our 70s, and we're trying to still figure out about life. Hive, you know, just because you're in your 70s don't mean you have it all figured out. Somebody say amen. Is there anybody that know what I just said? Hive, you, we're still things we can learn. Say amen to that. In fact, there's a lot to learn, and we realize that. <clears throat> and there's a lot of things I'm unsure of. But there's one thing I am certain of. I am certain that... This book contains the Word of God, and it is true. Every word of it is true. Um, I believe it is relevant and transcendent to this day. I believe it was good for the first century church, and I believe it's good for the 21st century church. I believe this book, when preached, has the power to save souls, and to transform lives. And if I didn't believe that, I would step down and we'd go out and party. Who cares? But because I do believe it is true, I'm going to preach it. Come on. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> if you're in John chapter 11, <clears throat> we're gonna take of one portion of one verse and I'm gonna preach from it. In verse 11, <clears throat> Jesus, the first few words, he's just making reference, John is, as he's pinning this, to the things he's just said, because he says this, these things said he, and after that, he saith unto them. Okay, now here's the part of our message. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. In John chapter 11, the theme for this week is going to be in verse 15, and I like the way you emphasize that when he said, and I'm glad. He said, he just said, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. How do you know that's usually not the right response? When somebody's dead, ah! he's glad, and I'm dead. But he said, for your sakes, to the intent you might believe. Now, who's he talking to? Who's his audience? John's an old man penning scriptures about when he was a young man. He has firsthand experience of this because he's speaking to the disciples. That's his audience. And they are already believers, and he says, to the intent you believe. What does he mean by that? Now, these guys have confessed, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, okay? Whosoever confesses that Jesus Christ is born of God, is the Son of God, is born of God, and God dwelleth in him, and he in God. These are believers. They're Christ-age saints. 
They've come to believe the Old Testament prophecies that pointed toward the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, and they said, he's arrived. They got it. So they are, it's a transitional period, but they believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now these guys are going to experience also Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. They're going to become church-age saints. Ta-da! That's what we are. Would you say amen to that? Amen. We're in that category. But he's talking to believers about their faith. He wants to take believers in Jesus, who he is, and what he's saying that they don't understand at all. There's a lot they, these guys don't understand. John chapter 14, they don't understand this stuff about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They do not understand. So he's taking believers and he's wanting to take them to a new level. Anybody want to say amen to that? Take her to a new level. The disciples eventually said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Hang on. These are believers that need their faith increased or strengthened and they need to be edified and built up in Christ. And he's saying, that's what I'm going to do. So the theme is, to the intent you may believe. You say, I'm already a believer? Good. Hallelujah. You want... How many of you like to have a stronger faith this time next year than you have right now? I mean, that's, it should be true of every one of us. We want that in our lives. So that's what he's saying. I'm going to take your... In fact, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says, These things are written unto you... No, it's truly many, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name. He's writing to believers about taking their faith to a new level of faith and believing in the, the life-giving power of the Spirit of God and of the Word of God, moving them on in their journey of faith. Okay, now I've, I've left something out. I'm going to back up and give you this. I want to give you a memory challenge. Scripture memory has changed my life, our kids' lives. Uh, it'll change anybody's life who says, I'm going to take this, this on. I'm going to start memorizing some scriptures. In fact... Our daughter's influence in the church we're at right now is already, they're doing this. Every month they have a different memory verse for the people to memorize. And they're doing that. And they're working back and forth and they're encouraging them because they started doing it with the children. How do you know the best time to start memorizing scripture? The smaller the better. Did you know that? The old mind, as you get older, it doesn't, it's not as clear as it used to be. How about that one, okay? And so the younger the better. So I'm going to give you this verse, and you can write it down. It's Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It was true when Luke penned that. It's true today. There's, n there's no other salvation in any other. That's it. Now we're going to drum roll that as we work our way through these messages in John chapter 11 throughout the week. Um, believers. New depth, old truth. God already knew that. Take me to a new depth to that truth. Weak faith isn't going to cut it today. Can I say that as lovingly as I can? Weak faith isn't going to cut it today. We have to have a strong faith. Can a man strengthen his faith? The, Lord, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Is it possible for our faith to become strong? Is it possible for our faith to get weaker? Can I tell you it is? It says this about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. It says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. He was not always strong in faith. 
How many of you know that Hagar gig is not an act of strong faith? Did you know what I mean by that without going to explain that? Uh, you look at his life, he had moments of real weakness. But as he grew on and got older in the Lord, he became strong in faith. When the angel finally came and told him again, you're going to have this child that I told you 25 years ago you're going to have, well, you're going to have him now. He said he staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I even know that God's word, that's another testament. His word is good. It may not be in our timetable, but his word is good. It's true. And so he became a person that became strong in faith. We're supposed to exercise our faith. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and rather exercise thyself unto godliness. Exercise. Our doctor who passed away last year, been our doctor for 40 years. I don't know if you've ever had a good family doctor that knew you and actually cared for you. Those, that's a hard thing to find because it takes time. I mean, he's delivered children, okay, that kind of stuff. Didn't he deliver Liddy? Yeah. Well, anyway, he was an old Vietnam doctor. That's where he got his training. And he was a little more battlefield worthy than he was in the office. He did some things that kind of went, huh, I wonder if that's the way you're supposed to do that. <laughs> but nonetheless, we loved him and he loved us, and a good doctor is a valuable thing, okay? Where was I going with this? <clears throat> You'll be old someday, don't laugh too hard. At that. Do you know, honey? Yeah, she wouldn't listen. Anybody else over here? That... Good doctor. Oh, thank you, Lord. God is so. How many of you know that thoughts are on a circle track in your mind? They kind of go around and you lose them. Then I'll say, oh, I show up in front of me. You better grab them. How many of you ever had somebody? You better talk. You better interrupt and tell them what you're going to tell them because you may not get that again. <laughs> is there one person who knows what I'm talking A couple of you. I see those hands. Thank you. Here's what he told me He said, Tom, diet and exercise are valuable contributors to good health. How do you just say, you don't have to have your doctor's degree to know that diet and exercise are good things to enhance. You can do them and still not have good health, but they really, percentage-wise, they're going to increase. But here's what he said. He said, if you can't do both, he said, at least exercise. And then he said, the body has been created to get rid of certain things. If you breathe hard, sweat, how do you know you detox when you sweat? You get rid of stuff, okay? It's a, and he said, if you can at least exercise, he said, you'll get rid of a lot of that stuff that if you just eat right, you're still going to... How do you know there's nothing organic anymore? Did you know that? You may want to think there is, but the air you're breathing, never mind. We're going to get the toxins. Would you agree with that now? Diet and exercise. How do you wish you could hire someone to do your exercising and you get the benefit? Anybody want to say amen to that? Man, me too. You diet, I'll lose weight. Somebody say amen. I'll eat like I want. How do you know that is not? It's the same thing with your faith. Come on. If you think, he, you think your pastor is going to do your diet and exercise for you and you're going to get all the benefits, you're wrong. He'll tell you what he's doing and you need to do, but you need to do certain things. I need to exercise myself. I need to do some of those things. Jude verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a... Wonderful discipline and privilege to come before God that will strengthen your faith. In fact, it is private prayer is one of the best evidences of your faith. It's coming to God and believing He's there. Do it. Prayer is not a feeling thing, it's a doing thing. Unbelievers pray when they feel like it. Oh, they're in a jam or something. Oh, God. People pray at casinos. 
I'm going to say, never mind. <laughs> Christians, we have access to God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access into this grace in which we stand. I have access. Man, use the access. Prayer. Well, that's what this is going to be about. God, strengthen our faith. Help us in our journey of faith. <clears throat> well, the title of this message is The Great Awakening. Let me read the verse and then we'll get going. The second part of verse 11 is this. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. That is not the great awakening. The title of this message is the great awakening. But that is not. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is not the great awakening. That's a wake-up call. Now, Christians have many wake-up calls, but one great awakening. Just one great awakening, many wake how many times did he wake the disciples up when they should have been praying they were sleeping? Come on, help me, would you? Three times. There are all kinds of wake-up calls through life. But there's one great awakening. And that's the one I want to drum roll this morning. One great awakening. Uh, I'll give you one more. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is your redemption nearer than when you believed. Wake up. How do you know the day in which we're living, we don't want to be caught sleeping. Amen. We need to be caught. Lift up your heads. Yes. And yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. He's coming. Amen. I was talking to a guy one time years ago. I started talking about the second coming of Christ, and he rolled his eyes, and he said, yeah, right, I'll believe that when I see it. I said, you sure will. <laughs> How do you know we want to see that before? Would you agree with that? I'm looking for this, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So God give us faith to move in that direction. The Great Awakening. John 3, verse 6 says this in John's Gospel. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now you know the verses that precede that. There was a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. Said, Rabbi, no man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. Jesus said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's trying to process spiritual truth with a natural mind, and he backs off and says, how can a man be born when he's old? Man, the second time in mother's womb be born? And he says to him, that truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter. You can't even see it. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Because that which is born of the flesh, here we are, is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I don't, this is foundational stuff that you all are familiar with, but there's going to be used as a launching pad into what we're talking about, the great awakening. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Let's stop there for a moment. <clears throat> How many of you know that I'm a product of seeds and so are you? Somebody nod. How many of you know the stork didn't drop you off? How about that one, okay? Conception demands union. Mama seed, daddy seed, phew. God's the one who, are, he's the one who chooses of the polywog swimming, the one that makes the union here. I think you can handle this. <laughs> I hope you can handle this. I don't want to back up too much for it. Union, conception, cell division, DNA, genetic, how do you know that birth is a miracle? Would you agree with that? That God, in fact, ordained, and every one of you have come through that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So he's going to take a very natural, something that we just, you, you can't deny this. This is so obvious. And he's saying, just like this miracle happened, how do you know that your birth is an event? 
See, salvation is an event. Evangelization is a process. Just because a person has been evangelized, evangelized does not mean that they're born again. There's something, there's an event, a time. In, I have a birthday. I shared Ben's birthday this morning, the date of his birth. It happened. My identity changed is what I was using that for. That is his birthday. If it were left up to him to record the events of that day, he would know precious little about it. Come on, would you agree you don't remember coming out? In fact, you were, but you were there. Say amen to that. You, you want to know why I know that happened in my life one of these days? Ta-da! I'm here! But if it's left up to Tom Harmon to come back and tell, oh yeah, I remember what the temperature was, the weather, oh, hey, I got it all. I don't remember any of that. But I know it happened. I think that's sometimes the case with believers, especially when you get saved as a younger person, and someone needs to tell you about it. Now I know it happened, and I have documents, a birth certificate, date and time, my mother's testimony, my dad, what the weather was like, all those kinds of things. I have that information now, but I didn't have it then. If it's left up to me, I wouldn't have that information. I would have to speculate at best and guess on my age. I'd have to guess. Boy, don't you wish we could do that? <laughs> Be a lot younger than we really are. The birth process, spiritually. Being born again. An event. I want to drum roll that again. It is something that had. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is. Anybody know the rest of that one? The day of salvation. It occurred in a day. How many of you know when a person, you're witnessing to them and they say, oh yeah, I've always been a Christian. How many of you know that ought to send up a red flag? Because we ain't always been Christians. There was a day that came in our lives. So, yeah. Now, you may not know all the information about it, but you better know that it happened. You better look over your... Sh See, I grew up in the church, and I heard the gospel. I had a godly mother. No man's poor was had a godly mother. And uh, I remember when I went into police work, she said, Tom, I always thought you'd be involved with the law, but I didn't know what side. Okay, which <laughs> side you're going to be involved in this? <clears throat> She prayed and prayed and prayed for me to get right with God. And I got right with God six months before she passed away. So she never got to see the answers to her prayers. <clears throat> but I didn't get saved then. I didn't get saved in 1978. I probably got saved as a child. But I prayed to receive Christ in Sunday school, junior church, vacation Bible school, good news club, you name it. Go to a Christian camp. And if, I, if they had an evangelist came and he mentioned hell, I'm getting saved again. Anybody know what I just tried to say? See, I don't have a date and time on that, but I know it happened. Because I know in 1978 it didn't happen. You don't get saved because you give up some sinful habit. Anyone saves you. I get saved by grace through faith. And I believe God saves children. We're going to come back to that. I got saved. I knew it happened. There began evidences in my life to that fact. <clears throat> well, let me try this. Joyce and I have not always been married, though it seems like it now. It just seems like I can't imagine, I can't remember hardly life without Joyce. But I know it happened because there was a day that her and I walked down the aisle and we were single. We exchanged some vows. We kissed. He pronounced this man's way. We turned around and walked back. And we have that date down, June 12, 1970. <laughs> How many of you are glad it's written down? Any of you are glad that that's written down for you? 
It was in that, yeah, that was it. And you know what? I didn't know anything about being a husband. I was in love with me, I thought she was too. We'll make a great couple. <laughs> Just didn't know anything about it. But I know more about it now, but I know the event happened then. How many of you followed me? That was an event. Evangelization is a process, but salvation is an event. It occurs in time. And it did happen in our life. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. The Lord knows those that are His. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You need to know you are. You can know. I believe you can know. You don't have to go through life doubting, wondering if you are or you ain't. You know who got the details of my salvation? <laughs> the Lord himself. And how do you know he wasn't shocked when I got saved? How do you ever get shocked when certain people get saved? <laughs> ha! You ought to be shocked the fact if you're saved. Would you agree with that? If you're saved, why would God ever bother? Would you agree with that? He knows the details. In fact, before the foundation of the world, God said, I knew this. When you deal in omniscience and eternity past, no shock. The information about it. Well, Lazarus' status. Let's go back to the text now. What makes you think, oh, Lazarus is saved? Well, it says, our friend Lazarus. He's got his name. He knows his name. In fact, all the details of the town he lived in and everything else. He got all that. We're going to go look at that tonight. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. He's called a friend. How many of you know that you and I were not born friends of God? Amen. How do you know we were born enemies of God? Romans 5.10. Listen to this verse. For if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled, through the death of his son, watch this, much more now, present tense, being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. Not my life. The life that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and then sacrificed on my behalf, that's my salvation. What he did for me, not what I'm doing for him, but what he's done for me. He reconciled me, all the difference. You say, well, I wasn't an enemy of God. You missed it. He was your enemy. He is a holy God. We are born in sin. We are Adam's race. That whole group of people, you would line them up all of them. You can name the wicked people in the world. Were it not for Christ, my name would be there no matter how spotless a life I thought I'd lived. My, my name is in Those are enemies of God. I was born an enemy of God. Listen to this verse. Colossians 1.21 And you that were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works hath he reconciled. He reconciled me by himself, to himself, for himself. God got glory out of reconciling this enemy at one time as an enemy. Evangelization, the process is going on. The event's about to happen. He reconciles me. Born again. Redeemed, justified, forgiven, cleansed. I go on this list of things that happen at the moment I receive Christ as my Savior. And it's all His doing. It's God's doing. James 2.23 says this. Abraham believed God. This is James 2.23. 
Abraham believed God. This is Romans chapter 4. The whole thing about Abraham's life. He believed God and it was imputed or counted unto him for righteousness, comma, and Abraham was called the friend of God. He had been an enemy of God. God called him. And he left Ur the Chaldees his faith. He believed God. He didn't just believe in him. He believed him. He left Ur the Chaldees. You know what? He was called the friend of God. Lazarus is in that group. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Sleepeth. Let's take a look at that word. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Many of you are familiar with this. I'll give it to you again. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant concerning them who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. How many of you are familiar with this verse? If you're not, this is a good one. This is a good verse. I would not have you ignorant. I don't want you staying in the dark over this issue of Christians who die. He says this, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, if you were to go a little bit further in this text in John chapter 11, um, both Mary and Martha, Martha's the first one, she comes up, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother hadn't died. He said, oh, he'll rise again. And then her theology, which is good, she has good pharisaical theology in this sense. She says, oh, yeah, I know he will at the last day at the resurrection. Jesus looked and said, I'm the resurrection of life. He that believed in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he put the question to her, he said, do you believe this? She already made a confession of Christ. She is a Christ-age saint along with her brother, Lazarus, who has died because God has a plan, revealing it to his son somehow in the mystery of this deity, humanity, both fully human, fully God, and yet he's dependent upon doing what the Father tells him to do. He lets him know without a messenger saying other than he's sick. Nobody came and told him, no biblical record. Oh, he's finally died. How do you know this? In his relationship, the same one you and I can have in the spirit with the Father, even at this time, revealed to him what had happened. Because Jesus is only three months from the cross. I'm getting ahead of myself. His deity didn't need any help in his faith. But his humanity did. That's the mystery of it. You ever looked at his prayer in the garden? He's looking at the cross, Mike, oh, I can hardly wait. I doubt it. His soul was grievously vested and sorrowful even unto death. And he said, oh, Father, all things are possible. You know what that means? You can rewrite the script and still be God. And I don't have to go through this cross to redeem man. How many of you are glad he tacked on that? Nevertheless, not my will. Your will's better right now. Great is, uh, in the book of Lamentations 3, it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Listen to this. Great is thy faithfulness. God loves faith, but he's also a faithful God. His faith is strong right now, Jesus is saying. Nevertheless, he's looking at centuries past. He's saying this old flesh of, that I live in God, help me. Yeah. 
not his deity, the mystery of this. Can you imagine being a babe and fully God, vulnerable to the, the things of infancy, having to be fed, having to be clothed? How do you know that when Jesus became a man, it was not a promotion? This ain't on my notes, it's okay. What time is this supposed to be over? Oh, probably right now. <laughs> no, I've got to... <clears throat> How of you are glad that we have a God we haven't got all figured out? But we can still trust him. Say amen to that. Amen. Say, I don't understand all the things, but I'm going to trust him. And he said, that's what I want. Don't lean on yours. Trust me. He sleepeth. First um, Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. It's a euphemism for death. A euphemism is a less potentially offensive word to be used uh, to kind of lessen the blow of a heart. Death. He's sleeping. That's what he's using it for. He says, Lazarus, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. In Mark chapter 5, I've got to really shrink this. What time? Sorry, a little personal business on here. <laughs> we don't have enough time to talk before this service, okay? Um, yeah, we'll do this. Jairus, ruler, synagogue, Galilee, okay? He's been over here, Gadara, this side of the Sea of Galilee, disciples, demoniac, gets in the boat, goes back, lands, a ruler of the synagogue, the crowds just throng around Jesus. The miracle man, he's healing people, all manner of sicknesses. A ruler of the synagogue came to Jesus because he had heard something about Jesus because this is where 90% of his ministry took place. John's going to be talking about the Judean ministry. That's a smaller portion. But John's the one that deals with this. We'll more about this later. The ruler of the synagogue, he is not a priest, not a scribe, not a Pharisee. This is just somebody that has been voted on, nominated and voted on, a, a moral, a good, upstanding man who runs the order of the synagogues, which basically they come and they say the Shema and they hand out the scrolls they read, as Jesus did in the synagogues of Nazareth. This ruler of the synagogue comes down and says, Jesus, my daughter is deathly ill. Would you come and heal her? His faith is that if I can get him from here to my house to my daughter, he can heal her. How do you know that's a good faith? Would you agree with that? And so he's acting on his faith. And sure enough, and okay, he said, sure, I'll go with you. So they start going. A woman who's had an issue of blood for a number of years touches the hem of his garden. Jesus stopped and says, who touched me? The disciples said, everybody's touched. What do you mean, who touched you? And he looked around and saw the woman, and she knew that she was discovered. How many of you are familiar with this? I know I'm going through this fast. And she's, she, he goes over and says, uh, she said, I touched you. She said, I, I, I believe if I just touched the hem of your garden, that I would be healed. And he didn't reprimand her. He rewarded her, he says, be it unto you according to your faith, he says. They're just going to add that to your faith account. You're right. Just a touch. How do you know just a touch is all it takes sometimes from Jesus? So he says, okay, let's go. They start out, and some people who are with the sick daughter come to him. We don't know who they are. Certain, certain people came and said, don't trouble the master anymore. She's dead. Jesus looked at the man who had faith enough to get him from here to here, believing that if he got him there, he could heal the daughter. Now she's dead. Sound familiar? Lazarus, so he says, looked at, at the ruler of the and says, only believe. How do you know he's struggling to believe right now? Would you agree with that? See, death in those days was not a, we've so sanitized death, we don't hardly know what, 
In those days, people died and they laid them out in their homes and those kinds of things. I've seen a lot of death. I mean, I would recognize death a lot. And pastor and please, just, she's dead. Only believe. They get up to the house and he says, why, she's not dead, she's just, anybody know what he said? Just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. And he says to the man who owns the house, could you clear the deck? Could you get him out here? Peter, James, and John, mom and dad. That'd be enough. Took him by the hand and said, Maid, arise. And she sat up. Hi. Can you imagine it? Can you just imagine this? And it says, Jesus says, I think she's hungry. Why don't you get her something to eat? That's the, I think she's hungry. It's not in there. You can assume that's what he said. <laughs> get the child something to eat. <laughs> How many of you think that helped old Peter, James, and John's faith? How about mom and dad? Say amen to this now. Why is he doing these things? To let us know that he has power over life and death. Say amen to this. This is very significant. Eternal life. The the giver of eternal life. Here's what I want to close with. Back in Mark again. Disciples working crowd control. Bunch of kids want to get near Jesus. Kids, stay back. You kids, stay back. Jesus, when he saw it, said... My old King James says, was much displeased. Do you know what the actual rendering of that is? He was moved with indignation. That is a term rarely used in describing his ministry to his disciples and discipling them. He was moved with indignation. And he says, suffer or permit the little children to come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. I believe she was 12 years old. I believe God saves children. And if you're saved as a child, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. If you're 60 or 70, you ain't no more saved than you were the event that you got there. Hopefully you know more about your journey of faith. and Your faith is stronger. But you're S-A-V-E-D'd then. Past tense, done deal. With that, I want to say this. Evangelize your children. You cannot save them. Please say amen. You cannot save them. But you can do all you can to evangelize them and talk to them of Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, somewhere that says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And that these things which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. When thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou risest up, and when thou liest down, that covers the basis. You know what the main theme of conversation ought to be with you and your children? Let's talk about Jesus. Do all you cannot save them. But I, let me just ask this question before I, I'm done. How many of you here did get saved as a child? Isn't that something? God saves adults. Say amen. Are you glad of that? He even saves old people. I can tell you this. The older you get without Christ, the smaller the chances are you'll ever come to Christ. Take greater humility. But children are so believing. They haven't gotten near the hurdles of pride that we set up to jump over to finally get right with God and get saved. So let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for faithful is he who promised. 
You can't hold fast to something you've never made. You're here this morning and you've never professed Christ as your Savior. You may have come here, maybe you've been coming here for a long time. But you've never had a time in your life where you can say, I've received Christ as my Savior. That's my, you can't hold fast to something you've never done. Would you all stand with me? I know I've taken a little more time, but <laughs> time. In eternity, it won't matter much. Now, Ben, am I okay to come down here in the front? It won't mess you up. With your heads up, your eyes open, and everybody looking around. Maybe God spoke to you. If you've only heard me, <laughs> you leave here the same as you were when you came, maybe worse. Maybe you've heard a voice from God saying to you, this is your time. You need to come and confess Christ as your Savior. Young, old, male, female, rich, poor, white, black, young, old, male. He doesn't care. Would you agree with that? He's, he's your maker. He made all. And maybe he'd like to make you new this morning. Maybe you'd like to receive Christ your Savior. If you come forward and just stand with me and take me by the hand. In a few moments, I'll close the invitation. I'll lead you in a simple, childlike prayer. It's a sinner's prayer. He don't save any other kind. If you ain't a sinner, stay right where you're at. But if you know you've got sin in your life that needs to be forgiven and cleansed, and you want Christ to be your sanctification, your glorification, your reason for it, it's all about what he's done for you at the cross and paying for your sin. You got it this morning. Maybe evangelization has been going on in your life for months, but you need a day. You need a day. This is a good day. I can tell you, October 17th is a good day to get saved. Yeah. You say, that's what I want to do. I want to come and... Have you helped me confess Christ my Savior? We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.